All right. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see people in-house, and those of you that are still joining us online, there's plenty of room here, so we invite you to join us. So today I am going to ask you to do something. I want you to think about that voice that's in your head that's always talking. We all have the voice, we try to shush it, it doesn't shush, and it's always playing like a tape in our head. And I want you to think about what that voice has said to you today. So has that voice been telling you how amazing you look and how wonderful you are and how you're just rocking it in this world? Or is that voice one that's a little snarky and likes to remind you of all of your shortcomings, likes to remind you that you haven't measured up, that you've let people down? That's typically what that voice does. And we have this narrative that flows through our mind all day long, reminding us that we're just not good enough. Maybe it says something like, oh man, I shouldn't have blown up at that cashier today. What kind of Christian am I? Or what what were they thinking giving me that promotion? I can't do all this work. I'm not capable of it. Or one that I hear people say all the time, oh, I'm such an idiot. And we say these things and we remind ourselves of just how we're never measuring up. And this, my friends, is what we call little committees in our head. And we have all these little committees that start collaborating and start talking. And then all of a sudden this guilt starts to pile on us. And by the end of the day, it's like this monster is hanging on our back and it gets really, really heavy. And we wonder why we're so exhausted we want to just drop at night. But we've had spiritual warfare going on between our ears all day long. And it's really hard to quiet it. And we call this self-condemnation. So today in our gospel, we hear this verse that Pastor Jim was reminding us of, which is the most famous Bible verse of all, John 3.16. But in John 3.17, it goes on to say this, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So God makes it really clear right in Scripture that God didn't come to send Jesus to condemn us and tell us how rotten we are. But we tend to think that that's what our job is. And we continually do that. So can you even imagine telling somebody that you love, like, you know what, just talk bad about yourself for a little while. Like, it makes me crazy when I hear my kids say something bad about themselves. I'm always like, you are slapping Jesus in the face by saying that. I, I will, like, turn it on. I won't let it happen. Like, we'll try to redirect. We'll try to give a compliment to help them see the positive. But why is it we don't want people that we love around us talking bad about themselves, but we have no problem doing it about our own self? And I know that every one of us have fallen victim to this, have fallen into the snares of the devil. So I thought about it as I was preparing for this message, and I I came up with three ideas that I think really kind of sum this up for me. Sometimes I think when we sin, we actually think we deserve a punishment. Luther would actually flog himself because he he just knew he couldn't be made righteous. And so I think sometimes when we do this self-condemning, we think we're like paying a price for our sins. Have you ever thought that maybe, maybe you suffer enough, then you're worthy of forgiveness? But the truth is, somebody 
much greater than us has already died for that. Somebody's already paid that price. And when we self-condemn, and when we think we have to pay that same price, we're really saying Christ's sacrifice wasn't enough for us. But if you believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe that we have this Savior, then you can rest assured that any sin you've committed, past, present, or future, has been forgiven. Any sin. And that is so important for us to know because that price has been paid. And in 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That means that Jesus, who knew no sin, Jesus was a perfect person, took on every one of our shortcomings, took on every one of our flaws, our mistakes, our mishaps, our temper tantrums, our poor choices, our cussing, our deceit, our greed, our anger. You fill in the blank and Jesus took that on. So when we continue to condemn ourselves for these sins, we are literally diminishing Jesus' sacrifice for humankind. But self-condemnation tends to feed us a bunch of lies that we're worthless and we are not the forgivable one. But we have God's word that says otherwise. In Genesis chapter 1 and again in Genesis chapter 9, we're actually told that we're made in God's image we are made in his likeness. And then in 1 John 4, it tells us that God loves us even though we're going to be rebels. In our very rebellion, God still loves us. And in 1 John 1, it says that we're forgiven because we are God's children. So because God picked us, chose us, we are God's children and we are loved. And Romans 8 reminds us that we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit that enables us to actually obey and glorify God. We have what it takes to do the right thing. And even knowing that, even knowing that we have what it takes to do the right thing, God is fully aware that we're not going to. And he still loves us. That is truth. Yet when we do self-condemnation, we silence that truth and we hear the lies instead. And that's when Satan's on the sidelines cheering on, knowing he's got a grip on us. And so what we end up doing is we end up turning our back from the light. And we end up feeling the most distant from truth than we ever feel. So we can look at today's gospel in John 3, 19, and it says this, This is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the life, the light, because their deeds were evil. See, darkness is just the absence of light. And so when we choose self-condemnation, what we're doing is we're choosing to turn away from the light of the world, the very light who gave his life to show us our worth. And we often get this misconception that what we're doing when we're condemning ourselves is that we're being humble. We act like it's humility in disguise when actually true humility looks nothing like self-condemnation. Because when you are truly humble, you are turning towards the light. You are leaning into the light. And when you are self-condemning, you are turning away from the light and turning inward. 
When you're turning towards the light, you are honoring God. You are serving others. When you are turning inward, you are serving yourself. So self-condemnation is just self-serving. So it's important that we listen to what the second reading from Ephesians said today. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our sins, made us alive together with Christ. So by grace you have been saved. So hear that. Even when you're dead because of the sins that you have done, Christ makes us alive, which means we have the Savior who's in the business of taking death and turning it into life, who takes hopelessness and pours hope into it. So when we feel distant, he is drawing us near. And when we are embarrassed by those sins that we have committed and that we drag around behind behind us, he's there to saturate us in this grace and in this love and to give us a new clean slate, new life. But I have to ask, do you really understand what grace is? There are people who go their whole life and they hear the word grace and they think they understand grace, but do you really get what grace is? Because grace is this undeserved love that nobody deserves. Not one person sitting here deserves it. But in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not by your own doing. It is a gift. It is a gift from God, not the results of of works so that no one can boast. So literally, it is in our weakness that God pours this beautiful gift of his love and strength into us. It is a gift. There's nothing that you can do to earn it more. You can't beat yourself up more to get more forgiveness. You can't flog yourself like Luther to get more forgiveness. You can't hate yourself more to get more forgiveness. It is a gift of God and it is called amazing grace for a reason. And it is poured into each and every one of us. And it is saturating us, this love and this grace and this mercy. So here's what I know. Whatever you are lugging around, and everybody has something, whatever you're burying, whatever you're hiding, whatever you're put in that closet years ago, let it come out. Share it with God. Allow yourself to receive forgiveness. Today is First Communion Sunday for some of our kiddos. And after doing a few weeks of a curriculum and then meeting yesterday for our retreat that helped them explore a little bit further what communion is, they learned what it means to celebrate this means of grace. And I asked them yesterday to fill out a little paper and fill in the blanks. Holy communion means blank. And so here's what some of them shared. Holy Communion uses my senses to touch and taste what cannot be seen or touched. Holy Communion is for Jesus, our God, to forgive us. Holy Communion is forgiving of what we have done wrong. Holy Communion is forgiving me so I don't have to worry about my sins because God forgives them. And when you hear these beautiful answers, to me, it expresses this innocent faith that really, truly believes in the truth and the promise of God. They get it. These kids get that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus went to the cross with a selfless sacrifice so that you and I can live as forgiven people. So then why do we try to re-crucify ourselves if God's already done that? But 
as we say to the kiddos. Does this mean you get permission to go out and recklessly live and just sin at abandon because you know you're going to be forgiven? No. What this means is because of that grace that has freely been given to us, this forgiveness of our sins, this unconditional love, we need to live in response to it. So because God loved, we love. Because living a godly life to earn God's love isn't the way it works. We live a godly love because of God's love. That's our response to it. So how do you combat this curse of this self-condemnation, this monster that sneaks up and takes over our thoughts every day? Well, for one, remind yourself of the truth. We have all of these biblical principles that are the truth. Learn some. Have some that you recite. Remind yourself whose image you were created in. Look to all those promises of God when God says that we are the apple of his eye, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And lean into that light. Because we have that free will that allows us to accept that gift of forgiveness, to accept that gift of grace from a God who loves us with zero limits. So no matter what those little voices in your head say, the truth says that you are forgiven. So whatever it is you're going through right now, stop beating yourself up because you have this Savior who knows exactly what you're going through. So this whole coulda, shoulda, woulda game that we torture ourselves with, that little tape that runs through our brain that doesn't shut up, that tells us we're not worth it, well, those are all false narratives that we've made up. So I'm going to suggest a couple of new narratives that maybe can be mottos for you. And when you catch yourself doing that negative self-talk, maybe you can replace it with one of these. Maybe you can say, I am forgiven by Christ. He paid the price. I don't need to. I always like the song, Come Holy Spirit. Allison sings it in my head all day long. She doesn't know that, but she does. So come, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You can say, yep, I'm a sinner, but my God is holy and gracious, and he is enough. His strength is enough for me. Or you can say, I've been made in God's image. I am worthy, and I am loved. And when you start to recite those things and replace the negative with those truths, you can receive that gift. So friends, open your arms up. Receive the gift of grace being poured onto you by our Lord and Savior because you are enough. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. You just come to us and you remind us that we are broken, beautiful people. And when I look out and I see some of these beautiful faces who have made some poor choices recently. I am so excited that you gave me the opportunity to look them in the eye and tell them that they matter and that they're loved and that they're forgiven. So fill each person in this room and on the other side of the screen with your mercy and your grace 
and let them go out here today with a new life, knowing that they have a new beginning and that they are enough and they are okay because they're loved children of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.